Tonight on Huckabee, the tragedy of sex trafficking in America, the miraculous comeback of Cletus T. Judd, and overcomer the Kendrick Brothers' new film premieres. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you so very much. Welcome to our show. Now, I've heard politicians say and do some really dumb and outrageous things. But the words and actions of Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan last week, they're not dumb, they're dangerous. She and another Muslim member of Congress, the Somali-born Ilhan Omar, announced that they were going to go to Israel for a visit. But the stated purpose wasn't to visit with any Israeli officials or even to visit Yad Vashem, the memorial for the victims of the Holocaust but rather to lead in protest against the Israeli government and to support the utterly absurd anti-Semitic left-wing-funded BDS movement, which stands for boycott, divestiture, and sanction. It is a nutcase cause that urges companies and countries to boycott Israel, to divest from any investment in any company that's based there, and then to push for international sanctions against the only real democracy between Europe and Asia. Now, with straight faces, these women accuse Israel of apartheid, of racism, of course racism, of theft of land, and probably, I'm guessing they accuse Israel of the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby and the crash of the Hindenburg. <laughs> Look, they support truly disgusting regimes like Hamas, which is listed by the U.S. as a terrorist organization, and the Palestinian Authority, which, by the way, pays lifetime pensions to families of terrorists who kill Jews and who even name streets and buildings after the cold-blooded killers of Jews. You see, here's a fact that the media didn't tell you much about. Since two, 2017, Israel has a law that it will not allow into its country those who wish to undermine the government and the people by promoting BDS. I mean, that seems fair enough. I mean, it's for the same reason that you wouldn't welcome into your own home someone who announced that he or she wanted to come in, trash your house, break the windows, destroy your furniture, and set fire to the place. I mean, you'd be stupid to allow that. Israel has simply said, in law, that if you want to peddle the hate and blatant lies of the BDS movement, you're going to have to do it somewhere other than the country in which it's designed to hurt. That seems reasonable. But then Congresswoman Tlaib claimed, oh, she really wanted to go and see her grandmother who lives in Judea. So Prime Minister Netanyahu graciously and generously offered Tlaib a humanitarian gesture to come and visit her grandmother. That's when Tlaib refused the offer. Because as it turned out, it wasn't about the grandmother. It was about grandstanding. And having been exposed as a fraud, you might think that other members of Congress, even her fellow Democrats, would call her out for her disingenuous deception to attempt to use her own grandmother for her own political showboating. But you would be wrong. Democrats, including many who were once strong supporters of Israel, even threatened legislative action to recall U.S. diplomats from Israel and to expel Israeli diplomats from the U.S. These two ladies favor countries that don't allow women to have equal rights or even get to drive and who can't always vote they defend countries that burn churches and synagogues and who even kill people for being gay. Democrats in America, including these two, side against Israel, who has a long history of free elections, humanitarian acts toward its enemies, freedom of speech, and protection of human rights and the rule of law. There was a time when both Democrats and Republicans saw Israel as an important ally and they defended the right of the Jewish people to live in their indigenous, ancient, historic homeland. Today, not so much. Folks, the Bible says in Genesis 12, 3, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. Now, if the nation of Israel and its relationship with the United States is important to you, 
You better choose carefully when you vote. I don't agree with Republicans on everything, nor do I disagree with Democrats on everything. I really don't. But I wouldn't want to be a part of a political party that openly invited God's curse. Hey, folks, we're having enough trouble in this country while begging for God's blessing. We surely won't survive if we invoke His wrath. Well, the aftermath of Jeffrey Epstein's ugly personal life and sexual misdeeds with underage women continues to resonate across our nation even after his suicide in prison. American presidents, Ivy League academics, and world leaders all appear to be caught up in his demented mix of power, wealth, and disgustingly deviant sexual behavior. But it's the abuse and trafficking of minors that's the most repulsive. Recently, I sat down with a man who is working to disrupt the sexual trafficking industry and to protect young women and men from being preyed upon and enslaved by criminals for profit. Now, if you are a parent or a grandparent, I want to urge you, listen closely to this important interview with Yako Boyens. How did, how did you get involved in what has now become a global problem. Yeah, it's an epidemic. And in, in, in unfortunately, local, domestic here, it's an epidemic. My sister was trafficked. Mm. So raised by a single mom, two brothers, and, and youngest sister. And, and when that happens, you're thrusted into a world that we didn't even know. And it, this is, look, this is in the, in the, in the mid-90s. Yeah. And then you immigrate to the United States. You think you've escaped this. This is back. It psychologically and emotionally takes a lot of healing. You came from South Africa. Yes. Now, was that where your sister was? Sister uh, was trafficked in South Africa. How did that even happen? How did she get into we're, being trafficked? We're in Music City. Yeah. She was trafficked by a record label. Really? By her label. So she was a singer. She was a singer, signed a deal in South Africa, won a contest like an American yeah. Idol as a, as a teenager, and then unfortunately was raped and then forced to, to be in a trafficking situation in South Africa. And mom had enough wherewithal to bring sis to, to Nashville, Tennessee, music, escape, start over, we immigrate. And then when I arrived, I started noticing trends and said, listen, there's trafficking happening in Nashville. I lived in Nashville for 10 years and then went to Dallas. And as we understood it, it's very prevalent in the US, your, your heart, look, you're, you're destroyed, then said, cannot happen to another child. And, and it is very real, governor, it is in our country, it's in every zip code. It's no, it's no respecter of man, race, socioeconomic class, gender. It doesn't care because it's a, it's a real problem because it produces real capital. I think a lot of us walk around every day mm -hmm. oblivious to that people are being trafficked like property. Absolutely. What, to, what is it to look for? Change in behavior for sure. Social status, friendship circles shifting, either way. No friends, a lot of friends, a lot of friends, all of a sudden an introvert, right? Changing music they listen to, behavior. It's time for the American soccer mom, the soccer mom that is most powerful woman on the planet mm. because she's got other people's children in her car. She hears everything. Radar has to go up, governor. We have to get back to the foundation. For me, it's the word of God. And he says, the orphan and the widow, protect the least protect those that are being exploited. And we, we need to step up and, 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 and be vocal about these things. But we want to educate moms, dads to step up and say, look, if there's smoke, there's fire. Report something. And, and to know what to look for is difficult because, like I said, I help FBI, CIA. These guys are not trained in the police academy. This is what an eight-year-old looks like when she's selling sex 20 times a day. See, it's just unimaginable to me. Yeah that people would do this to a child. Mm -hmm. Are these girls often kidnapped and taken from their families? Are some of them still living at home but being trafficked even while they're still at home and their parents just think they're going through a stage? The number one rising trend in the United States is families trafficking their own children, okay? Now, you, you see it all, runaways for sure. Mm. Underprivileged community is completely exploited, right? Unfortunately, Unfortunately, 30% of the kids in our foster care system are being trafficked in foster care. So this is an epidemic because one child will bring a pimp or a handler $200,000 to $250,000 a year tax-free. Now you got a real problem. You got a real problem. We're talking really big money is going money. on here. 
So very organized at times. Oh. It runs into the top circles. Your average buyer, the buyer, the man that pays for sex, is a guy that earns north of $100,000 a year. He's got a great job in the community. He's part of the PTA. He's probably a booster at the school. These are influential guys with expendable income, disposable income, right? That they can pay two, three times a week for sex. And the entry drug, the entry drug to forcing a child to have sex with an adult is pornography. No question, no doubt. I believe this, and Mother Teresa at one point said this, if you cannot defend children, you've lost your nation. Mm. In this country, if we cannot defend children, we've lost the nation. We've oh. lost the nation. What a powerful, powerful statement. You know, my heart is breaking listening to you Again, you know, I, I think I walk around the streets uh, largely oblivious. I cannot conceive that somebody would think it's okay mm. to have sex with a child and to pay money for it and say, oh, I'll never get caught. We are li living today in this country in a culture of death. Mm. We're in a death culture. Yeah. That's why abortion is so prevalent. The enemy is not here to play games. It's a death culture. Suicide is through to the roof. Abortion is through the ceiling, right? It's a death culture. We've got to start embodying a life culture because there's a generational move here now where men, unfortunately, we've done such a brilliant job in this country convincing women that they're here for pleasure of men, that women are now buying the lie, hmm. perpetuating it. And I was praying the other day, if I can't say this on your show, I was really praying. I was speaking at a Turning Point event, Charlie Kirk, and they do amazing work. They do. Turning Point, thank you for them. I was speaking and I asked God, God, why, why? I was speaking to a women's group and God said, Yaku, listen, listen. One, and this is a, a fact, one in three American children today have no father at home. One in three. One in three. One in three. Now, right. remember that. And God said to me, it's moms that are raising young boys. The mothers are raising the boys. If you could degrade the mother to be less than and be broken and be a sex object, there's not a whole person to raise a strong young man to later on pour back mm. into women and build a strong society and culture. So if you want to break a culture like the British did in South Africa, you don't fight the men. You kidnap the women. You put them in concentration camps. You break the women, you break the men. That's why women are being so attacked, because he wants mm. to break men. It's Daco, what you say is powerful. It's frightening. And I hope it wakes people up. I truly do, and I want to say thank you for calling our attention to it. My thanks to Yako Boyens for his dedication to ending this horror of human trafficking. Now, there's a DVD that you can get. It's called Eight Days. You can get it online at eightdaysfilm.org. You learn more about his book. It calls It Starts With Women, what he was just saying, and that's at yakoboyens.com. It's on your screen. Make sure you write it down and get the spelling right. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Boyens Yako. Keith, we're going to have you tell us what's coming up after the break. Well, coming up, comedian Cletus T. Judd on overcoming his addiction. Hit filmmakers the Kendrick Brothers and funny news stories on In Case You Missed It. Later, authors Michael and Lauren McAfee and guitar virtuoso Doyle Dykes performs right here on Huckabee. got more great interviews and performances this week exclusively at our website. If you haven't gone there, take a look, Huckabee.tv. That's Huckabee.tv. Leslie Montgomery talks about the personal faith of Vice President Mike Pence. Guitar legend Doyle Dykes, who's going to be with us later in the show, does an amazing rendition of a classic hymn. And I've got a brand new Facts of the Matter, taking on news, issues, and your questions. You can see what's on after the show at Huckabee.tv under the Digital Exclusives tab. Be sure to stop by and watch all of it. You're going to be glad you did. I guarantee it. Well, my next guest is known as the Weird Al Yankovic of Nashville. His videos and songs, I'm telling you, are some of the best original comedy material on the entire planet. But for years, a lot of fans didn't know 
that the humor in his recordings was also covering up some years of pain and addiction. Here to tell us this story behind the jokes, would you welcome the king of country comedy, Cletus T. Judd. <laughs> bunch of fans out here. I paid them. Well, you must have paid them well because they're sure <laughs> giving you the love. Oh, thank you. When I watch stuff that you've got out there on the web, and if people haven't seen it, they've got to go. After the show, of course. Oh, yeah. To go wait wait till after the show. But it is so stinking funny. I have to sometimes hit it on pause oh, so Lord. I can catch my breath. I'm just not able to breathe. I'm laughing so hard. Cletus, it's classic funny stuff. Where'd you get the ideas for some of these things? You know, I, 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 I couldn't sing a lick, you know, uh, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. So I, I had to figure out something to do. And I, I knew that I love music when I when I came up here, I'll tell you a real quick story. I'd been up here, I moved up in 1992, and I was here in 1992, 93, 94. I had nothing, you know, I was uh, really struggling. I would go out to the, the airport. There was a Ruby Tuesdays out at the Donaldson Pike Airport, uh -huh. and I would sleep in the front seat of my truck because uh, I wasn't afraid out there. They had those big lights in the parking lot, and I'd get up the next morning, I'd go to Music Row, I'd take a shower at the YMCA, I was sleeping in a buddy of mine's uh, walk-in closet at one time, you know, just, just really wanted to make it happen, mm. really, for my mom. And the ice storm came in 1994, and I remember driving down I-440, and I was scraping the windshield of my truck with a Mark Chestnut CD because <laughs> I didn't have a defroster in there. <laughs> and I'd been up here three years. Well, about three days later, I'd almost lost all these fingers. I got frostbite oh, on man. this hand. and. Uh, wow. I called my mom that night and I said, Mom, I'm done. I gave it all I had. I gave it everything I had. I, I can't do it anymore. I'm hungry. I don't, my clothes are dirty. I just want to come home. I can't make it. And she said, are, are you sure? And as she said, are you sure? I remember hearing in my right ear on a little transistor radio sitting on a, a table, Tim McGraw's song called Indian Outlaw. Yeah. And as Tim was singing Indian Outlaw, I started singing there are my Indian in-laws. Came to visit me in my school. Been here for a month, y'all. And I said, Mom, I got to call you back. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, am I coming up there or not? And I said, stay where you at. I'll call you back. <laughs> so I hung up the phone, and me and a buddy of mine, Bruce Birch, wrote Indian in-laws over the phone, and I recorded the song, borrowed some money, recorded it, and about uh, a month later, it was on 199 radio stations that we had sent out on cassette, and... Um, the rest is history. God, God uh, Jesus took the wheel that day. And, uh, <laughs> well, yes, it. he did. You know, Cletus, you were beloved and had, again, a, a just meteoric rise. And then all of a sudden, we didn't see you for a while. What happened to Cletus Judd that we didn't know about? Man, there, you know, probably don't have enough time in this interview to tell you, but, you know... Um, as, as a kid, it was, it was, it was hard, you know, um, it wasn't always the best of times. There's a lot of people's, you know. Uh, and I'd, I'd never seen drugs. My dad was an alcoholic, you know. He, he, he drank, you know, forever. And I, I always knew that I didn't want to do that. And uh, the next thing you know, on, um, back in the, in the late 80s, uh, I was introduced to, to cocaine. Um, the first time I did uh, crystal meth, I thought, now this is what I've been looking for. This has mm. filled the void. Of a, of a tough childhood, it's filled the void of, uh, I mean, I felt like somebody. And I thought, this, this is it, this is what I wanna do from now on, is, mm. is this. And I thought, I can do it one time, maybe not do it again. Well, next thing you know, it went from Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday. And um, I continued to use daily, weekly, even as I moved up here, you know, uh, uh, I was still able to achieve to some degree professionally but I was not able to achieve personally. Uh, there was definitely something missing. You know, in 1990, I was on a bridge in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, Ponte Vedra, Florida, driving back and forth uh, for about six hours contemplating how to, how to just end it all, you know, because oh. it, was, uh, it was not any fun anymore, you know, pretty much lost everything I had. And uh, again, Jesus grabbed that wheel and did not let that happen to me. And uh, uh, up here in September the 11th, of 2004, I had a really uh, cool thing happen. 
uh, didn't have to go to rehab after that baby was born. Mm. That was my rehabilitation. God sort of used that baby to say, hey, we're giving you a shot to Listen, be a dad. Absolutely. Wow. When Caitlin was born in 2004, I said, you know, uh, she's going to have to bury me one day, but it won't be because my face is buried in a, in a bag somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, uh, next month, September 11th, uh, I'll be clean uh, 15 years. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, the thing that is amazing, you were out there making people laugh and giving them joy, giving them hope, oh, yeah. and deep down inside of you, Miss, you weren't having that no, much sir. fun. I'd go back to my bus, Mike. I'd play for, on that Neon Circus tour, I'd play for 30, 40, 20, 30,000 people. I toured Billy Ray Cyrus in his prime, you know, all of them. And I would go back to my bus and literally bury my head in a pillow and cry like a baby. Huh. You know, because, it, you know, I, I just wasn't fulfilled. You know, I was empty. Mm. And so I was offered a contract to stay in Florida for five years, several years ago. I opened it up on a Friday. It was for $2 million. Oh. And I screamed and yelled and called my buddies down from Georgia. They stayed with me the whole weekend. And then everybody left. And I was left alone again. Mm. And I was walking through that house, and I would see these pictures, and I'd see Caitlin, you know, say, okay, she'll be... If I miss this grade, this grade, this grade, this grade, and uh, but I'll have all this money, so I sit down and it, uh, behind the table and I took it out, the, the contract out, and I wrote, you're worth more than what's inside this. I sealed it, taped it, put it in her hope chest, and quit my job the next day and moved home to be a dad. Wow. Pretty much, yeah. What an incredible story, because you believe that being a dad was worth more than all the money in the world. Oh. And, and you know, Cletus, I think what's a joy to see that you made a decision, but now your career, you have another shot to, to you're back at it. And I, I do, but if you're going to come and see me from this point forward in my life, it's going to be in a church. It's hmm. going to be in a, in a prison. It's going to be in a drug rehabilitation center. It's going to be somewhere where I can walk out of there and go, I didn't save all these people. Mm. But that one young man there that said, I can't play a guitar. I can't move to Nashville and pursue my dream. The heck you can't. Yeah. You're looking at the true definition of an overachiever that has happened to have persistency, consistency, and the will to succeed. And I want to relay that to other people at this point. I think your best days are ahead, please. I truly do. You have a gift a true gift to take the simple things and songs and make them so stinking funny that it just causes people to experience a little joy. So please don't give up that gift God's given you. And now you've got a bigger purpose even to sing those songs and share them. I'm so grateful to have you here today. I'm grateful this for you. This is thank a you. pleasure. So good. Cletus T. Judd, I want to thank him for sharing his story. and especially for the laughs. Please check out YouTube for one of the funniest things that I've seen in a long time. He's got a laugh out loud funny song. It's called My Weight's Going Up, Down. It I'm is. telling you, please watch this. You need a laugh, this will give you one. And don't miss the hilarious live shows. The tour schedule is on Facebook at Cletus T. And you can follow him on Twitter at Cletus T. Judd and on Instagram at Cletus T. Judd. It's right there on your screen. Jot it down, watch them, and you will be glad you did. Now, Keith Bilbrey knows this show up and down, and he's going to tell you all about what's coming up. Well, next, the Kendrick Brothers and their hit film, Overcover. Then, laugh out loud, news stories, and in case you missed it, plus authors Michael and Lauren McAfee, and later, guitar wizard Doyle Dykes performs on Huckabee. Some of the most inspiring movies of recent years have been created by three brothers from Albany, Georgia, including Facing the Giants, Fireproof, and the number one hit, War Room. Take a look at this promo for their latest film called Overcomer. I'm down three coaches, but I do think I have a solution for cross country. No, I don't even like running. Uh, why would anyone want to do this? You are my best option. One girl show up and she's got asthma. Oh, you mean Hannah Scott. Why well, have a season with one runner? One runner matters. Thomas, 
You got time for a visit? Hello, coach. So you changed force, and you still got no team. Well, that's sad even for me. Your life is worth so much more than this. To who? What have you allowed to define Where's your team? She's right there. to see this film. I want you to welcome to the show two of these Kendrick brothers. They're very talented filmmakers, Alex and Stephen Kendrick. Alex, yeah. Stephen, great seeing you guys. Thank you. Delighted to have you here. You know, when a lot of people think the only way to get the gospel out is to uh, get behind a pulpit and preach a sermon or to write a hymn, you guys go into the movie business and you have made blockbuster after blockbuster film that gets into the mainstream theaters, makes a lot of money on ticket sales, and touches people's hearts. Where on earth did you get the idea that doing movies would be a way to touch people? We were enamored by movies growing up, and mostly Disney films. Yeah. And uh, we, we see that Jesus told parables to impart truth to, to the audience. And so uh, we used to run around our neighborhood with our little uh, video camera uh, filming. Instead of James Bond, it was Savings Bond. I was Savings Bond. Yeah, <laughs> instead of <laughs> I Indiana Jones, it was Alabama Jones. And so yeah. They all had the same plot, chase him down and beat him up. Uh -huh. But uh, the Lord got a hold of our heart in high school and college. And uh, we made our first movie, Flywheel, about 15 years ago. And it was meant for the community, sold right. over a million DVDs. And, and the Lord uh, opened the door for us to do this. I want us to talk about this film that came out this weekend, uh, Friday, and this is the opening weekend for yes. the film, and it's called Overcomers. I want you to tell us about what Overcomer is all about. So we have a theme for every film. Overcomer is about uh, identity. Who gets to determine who we are? What defines who we are? We believe that the creator gets to define his creation. When the rest of culture is saying, well, it's how you feel or your circumstances or what everybody is saying about you, we, we think that our greatest foundation of our identity should come from what God says about you. And in Christ, when God says you're loved, you're chosen, you're sealed, you're justified, you're redeemed, then that, that's true for somebody in Christ. So now it's up to us to embrace that and walk in it. So the movie follows a coach, my character, and a young 15-year-old runner with asthma. And when the coach, uh, cross-country coach, realizes he's got one runner and she's got <laughs> asthma, what's the point of having a program? And, uh, and, and through that journey, he and she learns a lot about their identity in Christ. See, I think it's very timely to be talking about identity because yes. so many people today are confused. They don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. They're really, really, truly messed up. We see this a lot. So this film, obviously, is targeted to help people stop look at their lives and say, I do have an identity. And it's not what I think, feel, or believe, it's what God has said about That's it. That's right. And it's an entertaining movie. If people liked Fireproof, Courageous, or War Room, they're gonna love Overcomer. You know, it's a family-friendly film, and so you can take kids to it, senior adults, any age. It's gonna inspire a lot of questions, but it takes you on an emotional roller coaster. And uh, you're gonna laugh one minute, you're gonna cry the next. It's exciting because the last 20 minutes of the movie, there's twists and turns, and it's, it's an inspirational sports drama. And uh, we, we've been showing it to, to small groups across the nation. We're so excited that it's coming out because it'll not only be in the US, but in 24 countries. And we want people to enjoy the movie together as a family and then start asking questions about what are you allowing to define you after you see the movie? You know, th this is a sports movie. I mean, that's yes. kind of the, the heart and soul of it. And people love uh, sports, sports music have been some of the biggest ever. But what is it that you think makes this film one that you just got to go see because it's the power of the message or the, the content is going to rock your world? Well, first, uh, it's a very entertaining story. You're, you're going to fall in love with the characters and identify with one of them on the screen. We write about everyday people, mm -hmm. everyday issues, and we do so in a very entertaining way. So lots of laughter. Uh, but when people see this film, they're going to identify with one or more characters. And by the end of the film, we think they're going to say, that's, that's me at the beginning of the film. And I see where I need to go. I see the right questions to ask myself. Because what you believe about your identity will determine how you behave. Mm. Right. right? When I know who I am. 
am. When I know whose I am, it impacts my worldview and how I behave. So we want to call uh, uh, people of faith to live it out, to be salt and light. And, and for people that struggle with what is my identity and what am I allowing to define me, that they would find it in the one who loves them more than they love themselves, knows them better than they know themselves, and who, who thought enough of them to die for them. You've got a book that uh, is a parallel to the movie. It's yes. called Defined, What God Says You Are. Did the book come before the movie or the movie before the book? The, the movie happened first. Okay. And so it is our desire that people are not just moved emotionally, but after the credits roll and they walk out that their lives can be transformed, that they can discover and learn truth that will change them permanently. So if people have seen Fireproof, The Love Dare was the follow-up. Yeah. With this movie, Defined is the follow-up. It says who God says you are. So we, we dive into the book of Ephesians in Scripture, which is one of the coolest books in, in the That's entire right. Bible. And we talk about what does God say about how he created us, his purpose for us, and how that can affect every area of our lives. What you guys have done is bring the highest production level to the theater so Christians can bring their friends. They don't have to say, well, now this is a Christian movie, so it's not going to be that good. It is that good but the power of the message. Thank you guys. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you so much. I want everybody to go see it. I really do. The Kendrick Brothers terrific new movie. It's called Overcomer. As we said, it is playing in theaters right now. I cannot tell you how important it is for people to go to the theater on the opening weekend. Make this movie a huge success. That way it plays for a long, long time so more people can see it. And we talked about the book. You can get this book to find who God says you are wherever books are sold. Well, believe this or not, Keith Bilbrey overcame his stage fright a long time ago. So he's gonna tell us what we have coming up next. I'm gonna try. Up next, in case you missed it, news stories. Authors and influencers Michael and Lauren McAfee. Then, world-renowned guitarist Doyle Dykes amazes us all on Huckabee. Now, from a live frog salad to 103-year-old skydivers, we got the news that'll make you shout Geronimo on a little segment that we like to call, In Case You Missed It. All right, do you remember when the late President George H.W. Bush went skydiving on his 90th birthday? Well, Catherine Kitty Hodges of Seattle, she'd call that kid stuff, cause for her birthday, she just set a new Guinness World Record for the oldest female tandem skydiver at the age 103. Wow. Kitty strapped herself to a skydiving instructor and then jumped out of an airplane together from 10,000 feet over the great state of Washington. Now, Kitty said she was a little nervous, but she said, why not have some fun? Hallelujah. Now, I don't know if she was referring to jumping out of the plane or beating the Grim Reaper, but we should all remember comedian Stephen Wright's advice on skydiving. If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving definitely isn't right for you. <laughs> now, the trouble with a vegan diet is there's just not enough protein. But Carly Allen of Glendale, Wisconsin, may have stumbled on a solution. She bought a bag of organic lettuce salad and brought it home from the pick and save. And it turned out to contain more greens than she bargained for, because she found a live frog <laughs> along with the lettuce. It's not hyperbole to say that when Ms. Allen discovered the frog in her salad, she almost croaked. <laughs> not wanting to end up with a frog in her throat. <laughs> I, I said not wanting to end up with a frog in her throat. She returned the lettuce to the store for a refund. Now, you got to admit, this whole thing is a pretty riveting story. <laughs> All right, a recent scholarly journal article from a New York State University gender studies program called attention to, and I'm not making this up, the sexual exploitation of dairy cows. Now, before you start shaming dairy farmers or launch the bovine liberation movement, I'm going to explain. The writer, someone named Mackenzie April, believes that in order to truly represent feminism, 
supporters must consider the commercialization of dairy cows and their reproductive rights. Cows. She believes it's the only way to fully fight gendered oppression. Hmm. I wonder if the author has considered what happens if dairy cows are not milked. Now there is a fully formed type of abuse, let me tell you. So yes, dear viewers, just when you thought it could not get any crazier on our culture, the Moo Too movement has been born. The vegan and animal rights advocate goes on to equate milking cows as a form of sex abuse. Cow milking featuring emotional trauma related to pregnancy and non-consensual hormone treatments. I wonder, is she just seeking a grade for this or is she just milking it for all it's worth? I just wonder, did some poor parents co-sign for six figures of school loans for this academically minded person to research and write this stuff? And if they did, it was an utter disaster for them. And I want to say, as a hunter and steak lover, I've got a beef with her anyway, and I'm not amused by her <laughs> studies. Well, just like the ever-ready battery bunny at the end of a hard day of drumming, we're beat, at least for this week. But always remember, we read the news. Well, there is plenty more where that came from, whether you like it or not, but we're going to save it for next week. In the meantime, Keith Bilbrey going to tell you what else we got coming up tonight. I'll tell you what we got coming up. Somebody's having a birthday this weekend. Yeah! Uh... Governor Mike Huckabee. And as one of your very favorite band leaders, our own Trey Corley has a gift for you, okay? Doug, this is from the band. This is very important. We, we spent a lot of dough on this, okay? I bet you did. I mean, eight <laughs> checks for Altons. It's been just a lot. Do a I get to open dough. it now? You can open it now. You're, it's a, you're I'm going to anyway. I'm telling you. Lot of, you, you gave me a lot of paper. That's lovely. Oh, look at here. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, this is awesome. It looks like some lovely slippers. We spent a lot of dough. They're, they're loafers? Bread. Oh, they're, they're loafers. They're made of bread. I see it now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of dough. Now I get the dough joke. A lot of dough. Yeah, right. a lot of dough. I have a gift for you. Whoa, too. this big, big birthday I, I here. I think you're really okay. good. I cannot wait to see you. I can't this. either. This, this is good stuff. All right, right let me here. let me dig into this one. Okay. Well, you guys are. How many trees did you kill just to put this stuff uh, well, in? Well, it's fake paper. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fake. Oh, this looks interesting. Yeah, get it. it looks patriotic. It is very patriotic. I can't. Let me get to the top. I know how you it. feel about our great country. Oh, my I goodness. Wanna, I want to yes, show you right here. A jumpsuit. A patriotic. Yeah. You bet. These are rompers? Nothing but the best. A romper. I can't wait to see you. Yeah, you're going to look good in that. That's nice. They're going to look great. Yeah, you know really what? Really good. I can't wait to see me. You're going to look good. But let me tell you what else. I'm pretty sure none of you will ever see me in this. Well, well, I may minute. put it on. Look, I, I got think... it after I got mine. I want you, I want you to look. I got a picture. I want to see uh, your picture. Now, you... <laughs> <laughs> Just out on the farm. <laughs> we we kind of, you know, as, as I stood there, Amy Joe, and I picked it out, and I thought, now, now here's what I imagine you would look oh, like. Oh, what, what would I look like? See, see, well, just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I think we should both wear our rompers the next show. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought, you think it's a great idea? Yeah. yeah. I'll go one further. I think we ought to go honky-tonking one night in there. <laughs> you See know, how I, long we last. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't been beat up since junior high. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'd be covering some ground if we did that. Well, we'll get Trey to go with us. He, he can be our bodyguard. I'm there, dude. Yeah. Well, before we go to break, Trey, are you ready? Give us a key there. Oh. Everybody. Absolutely. We got to do this together. Everybody sing with me. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear We've got more Huckabee on the way. President John F. Kennedy said that we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. I want to encourage you to call or visit the Samaritan's Purse website and live by the words of Jesus 
that to do unto others is giving a generous gift to help heal our patriots. They have given so much to protect us and to protect this land. So let's help them be restored physically, emotionally, and most of all, spiritually. Please reach out through Samaritan's Purse today. It is an organization that you can truly feel good about helping as it helps a whole lot of people. Well, many millennials think the Bible is just an outdated relic. And of course, they've also never read it. But there's a new book that explains just how relevant the Bible is to young people today. Would you please welcome the authors of this book? It's called, Not What You Think, Why the Bible Might Be Nothing We Expected, Yet Everything We Need. Michael and Lauren McAfee. Good to have you guys here. First of all, we're hearing so many things about millennials, Generation Z, that they're leaving the church. They don't really believe that there's much in the Bible for them. What happened? Why didn't this get passed to that generation? Yeah, millennials are the least Bible-engaged generation in American history today, and Gen Z does seem to be even less based on the research that's coming out. And so we found that two of the most significant reasons why millennials and Gen Z are not Bible-engaged is has a lot to do with misconception of what the Bible's about, and they think that it's a rule book and that it doesn't apply today, and they also have seen how that's hurt people that they love or their own experiences cause them pain. So because of some of those experiences, it's caused them to really push the Bible aside and not want to engage in it. So how do you first get people even willing to read the actual book? So we try and affirm some of the things that we can see that are really positive in our generation, a care for the poor, a love for diversity. Uh, and we then try to show that the Bible cares about the very things that they care about. It cares about the immigrant. It cares about the poor person. It cares, if you love diversity, there's no more diverse book than the Bible. It's used by people all around the world today. But, but it seems like that some people look at diversity as if it is faith itself. Sometimes right. I see people and they want a Bible, they want a faith that lets them just do whatever they want, what they feel, what they think, what they believe, rather than what the Word says. How do you help them to see that the Bible is a great tuning fork to tune their lives to, as opposed to just a suggestion of do what you want to do. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's the subtitle, right? That it's not what you expected. That the Bible might surprise millennials because it's not a book that's about morality. It's not just painting God as a moral monster that, you know, is waiting to sort of like a police officer, just waiting to punish us for all the wrong that we do. Um, and yet, it's, it's not what you expected either in that it does have something to say about how we live our lives. It yeah. does kind of cut against us and you can't sort of take and choose what you want from it like you would a buffet. And ultimately, if you're going to look at the hero of the Bible, Jesus, he lived the Bible as his foundation for his life. And so if you're gonna be a fan of Jesus, you have to be a fan of the book that he based his life on. How do you make it so that people understand that Jesus was absolute love and didn't go around saying, Boy, I'm going to toast you. I'm going to burn you up. And, you know, he loved people, mm. but he never, he never compromised the standards of God, yeah, even we, though he showed the law. Yeah, we, we do encourage millennials to look at all of what the scripture teaches in light of who Jesus is. So we, we see that the, both the Old Testament, the New Testament, what the Bible is about is pointing to Jesus. And so Jesus lived a life that was perfect and died for our sin. And so there is the reality that we are sinners and there is judgment, but we also see the great sacrifice that Christ made for us and that he was loving and, and has his love and forgiveness and relationship with anyone that wants to receive him. And so um, it is a beautiful message. It's a story that affects our own stories. And mm -hmm. so throughout the book, we try and show that to millennials, Gen Z, that you know this is a story that is, you're, we're invited into the story with God, in a relationship with God. When you talk to millennials and you, you get this message to them, do you find that they're more receptive if they understand that um, it, it's not a book that is all judgmental? that there's a lot of affirmation of life and, and a how-to, to live life, to, to a sense of joy. There's something beautiful about the message of the Bible that is timeless um, and that is connected with ancient roots that is still influencing a modern world. And so there's something deeper and richer there that we have seen on a number of our friends and millennials and Gen Z do have the appreciation for that and are engaging in it. Um, but those who have kind of pushed it aside, it is kind of, it takes time and relationship to have those conversations to really dig into 
the opportunity to give them that understanding and the perspective because of the hurts that have kind of built up layers of distrust. The book is called Not What You Think. It's a must for millennials who question why the Bible is relevant to their lives. And it's available through Amazon, all the other booksellers. By the way, to keep up with Lauren and Michael, you can visit laurenamcafee.com and inspirebible.org. It's right there on your screen. Jot it down so you'll be able to know exactly how to keep in touch. Hey, Keith, what do you think about the end of our show tonight? Well, I think we have guitar virtuoso Doyle Dykes coming up on Huckabee. Legendary country music guitarist Chet Atkins called my next guest one of the finest finger-picking guitarists around. Doyle Dykes is a guitar player that other guitar players look up to and they try to copy, but they just can't. He's known for his distinct and recognizable sound that amazes audience with skill while capturing hearts with sincerity and his unapologetic commitment to Christ. Would you please welcome Doyle Dykes. Thank Doyle, so happy to have you. Thank you, Happy to be here. Thank you so much. When I talk to guitar players, and I'm talking great guitar players, right. like our mutual friend Jeff Carlisi, yeah. lead guitar player special. from 38 Special, he'll always say, the greatest guitar players in the world, and your name comes up oh. every time oh. in those conversations. When did you start playing, and when did you realize that maybe you're really gifted at this and not just a ham and egg player like me? <laughs> Well, I was raised in church. My grandfather was a choir director at our church for 33 years, and mom and dad had my brother and me up in a, a chair, uh, and we would sing and harmonize, and I was two years old, you know, and took piano lessons a couple of years, but it just didn't take, you know, I, I just didn't. My brother was a prodigy on piano, and, uh, but I remember when I was 11 years old, I'll never forget the day when I knew for the first time in my knower uh -huh. that I was saved. Wow. And there was no doubt. I knew something happened. And I, and I turned around in, our ch in my chair. Nobody told me to do this, but I, I just made an altar and I raised my hands to the Lord. And I, and I said, God, give me a job to do and I'll always tell people mm -hmm. about you. Not knowing that, you know, I'm legal on Medicare now. That, that <laughs> I would be using these hands all this time. And, and, and I have done that and I still do. Jeff Carlisi and I were in Liverpool. We made a deep dive into the Beatles and uh, we went to the cavern where the Beatles played and one of the bricks on the wall of the cavern, uh, and Jeff said, I know his name is here. And he looked and looked for 30 minutes and he couldn't find it. My <laughs> wife walked up and says, it's right there. Uh, but it's your name, it's on the brick, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty yeah. cool. Cause I mean, there aren't that many people whose <laughs> names get uh, on the wall of the cavern. We are so honored, so thrilled to have you here, Doyle. That's great. And uh, I know that uh, Doyle is going to get ready to perform, and Keith is going to tell us a little bit about how folks can get more of his music. For all things Doyle Dykes, go to DoyleDykes.com. And be sure to visit Huckabee.tv for another exclusive music performance by Doyle. But first, here's Doyle Dykes to perform Guitar Poor. <laughs> Started back in 65, that's when I first realized I wanted to do something for my Lord. Just like my daddy and my Uncle Smitty, I love guitars, they sounded so pretty, and I knew that's just what I was looking for. My first guitar was a silver tone, I wore my fingers to the bone, it played so hard my fingers got so sore. But I knew the guitar was for me, it was bound to be my destiny. Ever since that time, I've been guitar poor. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, won't you help me? I'm guitar poor. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, have mercy on a guitar poor. Yeah. I got flat tops, arch tops, steel string, gut string, solid body, hollow body, six string, 12 string, acoustic, electric, and resonators, and more. 
like cutaways, non cutaways, of a cutaways, flame tops, cold tops, jumbos, dreadnoughts, double hoss, triple hoss, governor, I'm guitar poor, guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, want to help me, I'm guitar poor, guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, have mercy on the guitar poor. My wife knows me pretty well, I guess. I was mopping the floors and making the beds, and she knew I was up to something for sure. I ran outside of a pickup truck. Wouldn't he know it's just my luck? She hollers out, I know you're headed to a music store. There's just one thing I should have grabbed first. That checkbook, it was in her purse. She stood there just so waving it at the door. I said, come on, honey, now, baby, please just give me the checkbook so I can leave. She says, Doyle Dykes, how many guitars do you need? I said, just one more. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, won't you help me? I'm guitar poor. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, have mercy on the guitar poor. Now let's do it. Guitar poor, guitar poor. Lord, won't you help me? I'm guitar poor. Guitar for let's play. Guitar, we're guitar rich guys. 